What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, the best place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can practice when you want to, not because you have to. And if you're ready to kick that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com and download the Freedom Blueprint, which will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. All right, let's talk about productivity and how to get the most out of each and every day. And it all starts with a strong morning routine. Hopefully, you've read the book Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, where he talks about savers. Saver stands for silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing or writing. You may or may not do all or any of those things, but you need to work on doing some of them. Figure out what works for you. Um, for me, ideally, I'm, I'm not going to say and preach to you that I do this every single day, but I work towards it and I try to. So I get up without looking at my phone, and I think that's a key. Many of us just roll over and we grab our phone and look at our emails and see what text messages we've missed, and we start our day off with panic and problems and things that we have to accomplish, but that's not the way to start. We need to start off slow, relaxed, and get our mind focused so that we can be our most productive self throughout the day. So get up. Do not look at your phone. Um, I brush my teeth, all of that stuff. I, every day I take a multivitamin, uh, I prepare a French press coffee, I drop some collagen peptides in it, and I chug a green drink. And then after that, I meditate for roughly 10 minutes. Um, I run through some quick affirmations and visualizations after that. And then I do 50 unbroken push-ups to get the blood flowing, to get the, get the brain moving. And after that, I listen to a podcast or perhaps a book on Audible as I walk my dogs around the block. And then, only then do I start my quote unquote work day. For you folks out there that haven't done this before, it might seem counterintuitive. And that is taking more time out of your day in order to get more out of your day when you're already short on time. But if you have to get up earlier to do this, then do it. Just do it. Then, when you start your day, the next step is eat the frog, get uncomfortable. Just do it. Get the hardest, most important things you have to do out of the way first. Ask yourself, what are the three to five things that you need to do that at the end of the day, if you only accomplish those things, you would say, I had a successful day. Knock those things out immediately. So what does your morning routine look like? I'd like to hear about it. I like to always stay fluid and change and, and, and improve on mine. So drop me an email or a message on social media and let me know what works for you. All right. Today's guest is none other than Mr. Kansas City himself, my good friend and business partner, Logan Freeman. He's a former NFL lineman and is now the co-founder of FTW Investments. And he's facilitated over $150 million in real estate transactions. And I'll tell you, by the time this airs, that number is already going to be dated. Logan is a true go-getter and a go-giver. My man is a leader of men and women. 
through and through. He's an inspiration. He's a guide. He's a great family man. And is truly just a really good human being. Understanding how to do well by doing good is Logan's motto and has made it his why for doing business. All right. If you haven't heard Logan speak before, or even if you have, you're in for a treat. I'm really stoked about this. Finally got Logan on the show. Let's jump in. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Logan, what's going on, brother? Great to finally have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today, man. I mean, it's been a, a long time coming and uh, being able to build our relationship over the years has been great and, and, and on an ongoing basis. So uh, excited to be here and share the story and hopefully add some value today, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, we, we talk pretty frequently, so it's awesome to finally have you on the podcast. Been trying to get you on here, man, but you're a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've got some now some new resources around me that helps get things scheduled and, and get it taken care of. And so had a big backlog and, and starting to push through them. And you were at the top of the list, brother. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, let's just jump right in, man. Take All it back right. as far as you want. Tell us a little bit about your story, your background. Awesome. Yeah. So started, you know, back in Jefferson City, Missouri, you know, and, and probably a lot of the listeners don't know. That's the capital of our great state of Missouri here and um, grew up as a you know small town boy, you know, and, and really wanted to, to start working when I was about 13 years old. I'm a big guy and and I saw my mom kind of working two jobs, you know, and and uh, hustling for our family to, to put us in school and, and all that stuff. And, and so when I was 14, man, I I uh, got my first job throwing hay on the back of a trailer in uh, in Jefferson City, Missouri, on the farm. And when I was 15, I I stepped up and got a job at a catering business, doing dishes and and, and sweeping the floors. And and um, yeah, this financial freedom thing has always really been in my mind because I think early on in my life, I was I you know my mom was always like, "Where's the next dollar going to come from?" We didn't talk about investing until I got to high school and took Dave Ramsey's personal finance class in in high school, and he's like, "Hey." Got to get your Roth IRA, got to get your, you know, your expenses and income taken care of. So I got a really low level kind of uh, feel for finances. And, and when I was 15, I started my first Roth IRA, believe it or not, man. And, <laughs> and uh, my mom had to go co-sign on the whole thing. And, and I was always been interested in this investing world, but I identified as an athlete growing up, you know, and, and uh, went to school at, at University of Central Missouri, um, pretty close here to Kansas City and uh, played collegiate football and then had the opportunity uh, to, to go to the NFL after that very briefly. And uh, I was cut from the NFL and my whole life changed. You know, you, everybody has these, these points in their lives where uh, things happen to them and, and they have to make a decision. Well, this was the first one. And uh, I decided to not play football anymore. So I went back to school, finished my master's degree, lost a hundred pounds, you know, I was an offensive lineman. So lost a hundred pounds and, and, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you this, but um, as you know, I, I've gained a little bit of weight and now it's coming back down. <laughs> I almost got back up to playing weight and I had to make sure that didn't happen. Um, you know, but but the real change happened in my mind, man. I mean, this is when I, I got a job driving an hour to make 265 cold calls a day 
And, uh, you know, I listened to Lewis Howes and John Lee Dumas and Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn, you know, all of the all of the grandfathers, so to speak, and and uh, some newcomers. And it really changed my mind. And I started to read books and um, big shift in my mindset. And so I I graduated school, um, no longer an athlete. And then, you know, you know this story, but, you know, my father came up. He's a you know Native American guy, 6'3", 250 pounds, dunk a basketball hit a golf ball 300 yards and he couldn't make it up the stairs, you know, to help me move my stuff out of the, out of the, uh, the, the apartment complex I was living in. And I knew something wasn't right. Well, my dad had battled drugs and alcohol his whole life. And in a matter of three weeks, my dad died and uh, I lost him to that battle with, with drugs and alcohol. And that was another big changing point in my life. And thankfully I had mentors that had pulled me up and said, look, you got a decision to make right now. You can, go down that same route or you could pick something different. And uh, that was crucial for me. And so I moved to Kansas City where I live now and I worked a couple jobs. I quickly found out that I was unemployable. And uh, five years ago now, I, I was fired from my last six figure sales job. And uh, I said no more. You know, um, when, when your shoulds become your musts is re really whenever you you know, you, you start to make change in your life. That's Tony Robbins. And, and so I, I decided to go into business for myself. I got into real estate. I started a sales consulting company and I started to learn this game from the ground up. And uh, I took a head of acquisitions uh, position with a $50 million fund here in Kansas City. Got a lot of transactions under my belt, took that knowledge and experience and went to the commercial multifamily world, started doing a lot of 1031 exchange brokerage for out-of-state clients started to buy some properties myself and quickly found out I needed a team. I need people around me to help elevate my capacity and do things that I am not good at. And so I found a couple of partners uh, who you know uh, now, Parker and Corey. And now we have around 1,400 units across four states and some other holdings uh, here in the Midwest, but uh, just really growing that, uh, that private equity real estate business and, and helping investors along their journey of, of financial freedom. That's where I'm at today, Seth. So that's a long-winded story, but uh, you got a lot of things there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Love it, man. Even though I've heard that story a number of times, I, I love hearing it every single time, man. It's such a great story. I love yeah. you come from a blue collar background, similar to me. My mom's a retired school teacher. Her mom's yep. her dad's a retired coal miner. I love that, man. Um, what What do you think? You know, coming from that blue collar background, how did that How did that set you up for success? Man, it's just work ethic. You know, yeah. it's just like excuses were were non non existent. Like you could bring them to my mom, and and she would say that's fine. You know, but you need to do something about it. Like, bring me a solution, and yeah. I'm going to work my way out of this thing. And so that's why I was, I was, you know, uh, able to achieve what I was at, able to in athletics. I'm not the most gifted athletically, but I worked my tail off. Same thing in our our business now is I didn't take economics in school. I didn't take all these these classes about you know all of the different things that we do. But I can grab a book. I can talk to people. I can work every single day to do that. So I think it's just this work, work mentality that uh, really kind of is ingrained in me. Um, and then if you don't know something, you can go, you can go learn it. And so that was, that was probably the biggest, um, you know, thing that I learned from the, from the blue collar kind of mindset was, um, you know, this work, this work mentality, but, you know, also, you know, we had to be careful on the flip side of that, right? Because what, you know, my mom and everybody I knew just worked for dollars, you know, until I met a couple of guys and they're like, no, 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 no. You're thinking about this thing completely wrong. You got to be a producer, not a consumer. And that was when the light bulb went off and said, OK, I can work, but I can work smarter, not harder. And that was the game changing moment for me, brother. 
Yeah, no, totally agreed. It's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, you get yep. that work ethic from coming from the blue-collar family, seeing your parents work for, for their dollars and how hard they work and the time that they put in yep. to take care of their family. Um, but at the same time, you're kind of stuck in that bubble until you get to that, until you meet someone, read the books, or yep. you know, find a mentor or coach or whoever it is that kind of tells you, hey, wait, there's a different way to do this. There's an entrepreneurial way to do this um, where you're not trading your time for dollars. 100%, man. And I, I was exposed to that through rich dad, poor dad, but then solid in real life. And, and I'd see these business owners that were working on the side or the weekend, um, had a staff and I'm like, what are they doing? They're like, well, they're, they're tending to our rental properties. I'm like, rental properties. What do you, what do you mean? You know, he's like, yeah, man, like this is just one, one area of my life here is this franchise here that I own. I also have, you know, a hundred apartment units. I'm like, wait, what? You know? And so then I was starting to see it in actuality and was like, wow, you know, you, you can do this. And it's a realistic expectation if you start to take those steps. So um, not only had it, you know, theoretically in the books, but I got to see it practically applied out in the real world. And that was huge. Making that link, that, that link to those two things for me was a, was a big piece of, of what I'm doing now. Yeah, definitely. You've, you've kind of got to see an example. I mean, I remember I remember growing up and the only people in town that owned businesses or real estate were kind of the local politicians. There's a family, yeah. a mansion family who everyone's probably pretty familiar with from West Virginia. I grew up with them. My dad grew up with them. Um, you know, they owned a few rental, nothing like 100 unit apartment buildings. But they sure. own like a few rental properties. They own a carpet store. They own a grocery store, things like yep. that. And I remember just thinking, wow, like they they must be so wealthy. They own all mm -hmm. these you know, these properties and all these things. And, and, you know, it took a long time to get over that mindset that, that you and yeah. I can do it too. Exactly, man. Exactly. I'm glad. I mean, that's the most important thing is putting yourself around people that are thinking differently because what I'll, I'll tell you the last thing we can move on from this, but you know, Jefferson city is a great place. Don't get me wrong. I know the place that you grew up is a great place, but uh, there's a little bit of stinking thinking that sticks to those those folks. And it's like, hey, this is the way it's done. This is the way it's going to continue to go. Um, but that's not reality. You know, you move to a Kansas City or a Los Angeles or Chicago or something. You're like, oh, wow. You know, there's a lot of other things happening out here. And so just getting that perspective shift is is huge in, in, in making sure that you can believe that, that what you're reading is actually true, man. That, that link is crucial for people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about FTW, what you guys sure. do, where you guys invest. Um, you know, we partner on some deals. So I'd really like you yep. to share with the audience, you know, what your, um, you know, your business strategies are and what you guys do. Yeah, man. I mean, you'll hear value add in this space a ton, right? Um, but we are, are true value investors. And, and I, I'll give you a couple of examples of this. But, you know, we are we are munger and budget kind of value investors that say, look, we got to understand what the intrinsic value is and then price what we're purchasing off of that, not what the potential out, you know, output might be. And so, you know, unfortunately, that prices us out a lot of deals. But, you know, what we focus on is margin of safety at the, at the, at the going in rate. You know, you hear this, you make your money when you buy, not, yourself, not yourself, to an extent, right? I mean, but you have to be able to understand what the intrinsic value are of these, these assets that you're going after and making sure that, you know, you got some kind of cash flow on these properties. So we are true Midwest kind of uh, owner and operators that, that like attainable housing. So class B and C stuff that is not highly amenitized, 
you know, you think about affordability, right? And 30% of somebody's gross income is kind of the, the metric that you hear a lot. We're somewhere between 19 and 23% on our deals. And so, I mean, that that is just crucial whenever you're thinking about, okay, well, yeah, people's incomes are rising now. Some are, uh, but a lot of folks are not, and they're not going to rise to the, to the rate of, hey, I can go pay $2,000 a month in rent. You know, it's more like, hey, I got 750 to 900 for rent. And, and we like to serve that market. Two reasons. One, you know, people, uh, whenever your incomes do come down, typically, you know, you're going to move from a class A to a class B or a class B to a class C, something that's a little less minitized, a little more affordable. But two, you know, you really actually have some sort of operational efficiency or cosmetic upgrade to make on these projects. I mean, this is red brick buildings. These are, you know, old school classic units for mica, you know, cabinets that are falling off, all this stuff, right? Like you can really make that look good. Now, 2019 build that you're going in and, and upgrading from this granite to that granite, you know? And so it's, I think that's that's one piece of the, the puzzle. The second thing is we're not just multifamily guys and gals. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff outside of the multifamily world, you know? One of the things that I was talking a lot about uh, at the conference was looking at suburban office and neighborhood retail shopping centers and making sure that we're always looking at these different types of opportunities to find the right yield that's priced into the market. And so that is driven by consumers, but it's also driven by trends in the locale that you're investing in. And so knowing Kansas City like we do, I can go buy an 82,000 square foot office building and feel very comfortable that it's going to stay above 90% because I know who the tenants are. I know how many showings are going on in the leasing activity. And I know the affordability that people are looking for in regards to the office work. Same thing on the retail side. You know, some people say, look, we got the Amazon effect. Sure. Yes, we do. But if you have a shopping center that is in the middle of a bunch of houses, guess where people are going to go get their oil change, their tires, you know, that they need to buy, the dollar store, the grocery store, the Chinese restaurant, getting your hair cut, getting your nails done. Those types of strip centers are not going away if they're strategically located. And so I think you'll see us do more of these assets outside of the multifamily space, cautiously optimistic about multifamily. Don't get me wrong. Love it. Own a lot of it. But I love it at a certain price per door. For example, you know this deal that we did, a 426-unit portfolio here in Kansas City. Our basis is 50K a door. I was modeling $70 rent increases over five years and putting nine dollars to $10,000 in those units. We put $2,500 in those units and got 15, you know, 150 bucks on, on the rent increase. Increases. And now those things are trading at $90,000 a door. My basis is 50. And so if I can find those opportunities, you bet I'm going to go forward for those opportunities, but those are few and far between. So we have to look at, you know, what are the other trends that are happening? Similar to back in 19 and 20, when I was purchasing a lot of multifamily, people are like, hey, I'm on the sidelines until this, this COVID thing goes away. I said, great, you stay on the sidelines we're going in full force. And now look at what we're doing. We're doubling our basis and a lot of these opportunities. And so I think that can happen in the retail and office world strategically. Um, and, and we will continue to do that. So that's kind of what our focus is, um, you know, in, in owning and operating all of those, those projects. So building the team up, I think we're up to about 14 or 15 people here now in the office and uh, just getting better as operators and making sure we juice every type of, of return that we can and making sure we're getting better across every single vertical in our business is what we're focused on right now. Yeah, love that. And being plugged into the Kansas City and Midwest markets, 
um, and you know them like the back of your hand, that I think that allows you to diversify across different asset classes, right? right. Into this retail, into office. Whereas, you know, compared to a different team who might be, I don't know, sitting where I'm sitting in San Diego or something, and they're yep. investing in uh, Kansas City and into retail, even though they were in multifamily before. I mean, that's, you know, that that sounds like a risky proposition for them, but for you, because you know the market, you're able to, to see those opportunities locally. Yeah, it's it's so important, man. I, I can't explain enough. Like we're getting we're getting projects brought to us to from Texas and and you know the Carolinas and Tennessee. And I'm like, look, I need to know you know your market like I know Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Do you know that like I do? And if you have that knowledge and you have the relationships, that's the other piece. When we break down intellectual capital, it's human. So how good are you? How good your team? Relational, who do you know? And then, in, you know, intellectual capital is, is obviously the top of that. But the, that, the last one is, is structural. You know, I need to know that you've got systems and processes uh, instead of you just sit in front of a computer and everything lives and dies with you. And so um, that's hard to find. That's hard to find. And so um, if I have found that in a market that we're not boots on the ground and I feel comfortable maybe evaluating an opportunity, but that just takes time. That just takes time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit why, you know, why invest in the Midwest? Why not? You know, we hear about the sexy markets like Austin and Charlotte and Nashville, yeah. places like that. Um, you guys choose to make your footprint here in the, in the Midwest, Kansas City, Iowa, uh, yep. Nebraska, places like that. Why invest in the Midwest? I think there's two reasons. One, I live here. And so obviously that intellectual capital is very important. Uh, but two is just affordability and not going up with the big swings and down with the, the, the big swings as well. So staying kind of steady Eddie. And what I mean by that is my college football coach would always say, Logan, you're, you're an offensive lineman. You know, you cannot get in the peaks and valleys. You know, you've got to stay just, you know, kind of not stagnant, but you got to stay stable all of the time. You got to stay stabilized. You know, you're the left tackle, you're protecting the, the, the backside of the, 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 the quarterback. And so I think a big piece of this is saying, look, during the COVID-19 uh, you know, pandemic, we have great data to show, to show kind of the ability for the people living here to continue to pay rents, continue to work, and continue to thrive, you know? And, and so I think that's one piece is just kind of the, the market swings. We're less impacted by some of that. The second is just the affordability factor, man. I think that a lot of people are now seeing, hey, I can remotely work. I'm not going to live in a really you know, expensive market. I'm going to maybe move to the Midwest, put more in my pocket. And that's really interesting. The last is the industries that drive kind of the Midwest, just blue collar stuff that's not going anywhere. You know, we've got agriculture, we got transportation, we've got all these different things that are just kind of, you know, kind of the, the backbones of the economy. And, and that's really important as well. That helps us kind of stay insulated from, from some of these swings. So all those reasons, I mean, population growth, job growth, and wage growth is not going to be as high here. And so you're not going to have a lot of the natural appreciation that you might have in some of those other markets, but you do have forced appreciation opportunities and you have cash flow. And for me, that's really important for our firm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it right. I mean, stability. Um, yeah. A lot of those cities in the Midwest, they're, they're positioned geographically such that they're, they're within the supply chain, um, traveling between the trucks and between other major cities across the, the coast and, and cities like Kansas City and Des Moines yeah. and, and places like that. They're not going to go away. They're not kind of like, uh, I'll compare it to a, a market I'm very familiar with, Cleveland. 
where, you know, you don't necessarily have to go through Cleveland to get anywhere. Cleveland right. is the destination and you're seeing these massive population drops. You don't see that in, in Kansas yeah. City. A- absolutely. The other thing is the railroad here, man. I mean, I mean, we've got more miles of rail here. I mean, we're one of the biggest hubs in regards to the rail. Everything's passing through here. We got the Missouri River stuff's coming off there, getting on the rail, getting on the trucks and and heading out. And so that creates jobs, stable jobs that people are looking for, Um, you know, and that's that's important. So I I completely agree. Yeah. And and even though you guys are conservative and, you know, you're not just buying every single thing that comes out to market. You know, how how have you been able to, to scale so quickly, though? Yeah. I mean, I think about this in leverage and I break leverage down into three ways. You've got leverage with people. You've got leverage with capital and you have leverage uh, with with structural or technology. Right. And so when I think about that, the human and the intellectual capital that we surround ourselves with at any given point, I, I think, is top notch. I think that's important. We have three principles here. Everybody brings a different perspective, different experience, different knowledge. That's really crucial. Um, but then also building that team up, right? And so making sure you can eliminate, delegate, and automate in the business is really important uh, in, in the right way, right? I mean, you've got different types of delegation that I could talk about too. But at the end of the day, the leverage piece is important. The branding piece is important. Uh, and so making sure that our brand continues to stay consistent and has a good feel to it um, brings opportunity. So it's more like a the law of attraction, right? You start to do all of these things, you start to talk about things, but then you execute and things start coming your way. And I think that's, that's an important piece as well. Obviously, scaling during COVID-19 gave us a great opportunity while other people were on the sidelines. And so we were able to get a big foothold here in Kansas City, which was important, uh, which gave us the capacity to kind of spider web out into these other markets. Um, but most of the deals that come to us are through some sort of relationship, right? I mean, my hit rate on marketed deals is very low. And I understand that. Uh, Just like Reed Goosens was saying, I still underwrite everything that's out there just to kind of see what the pulse is, what people are doing, um, what the what the terms are, you know, all these things. That's important. But if I look back for our last you know, 10 or 12 transactions and, and acquisitions. It's all relationship, man. And so I'm out there hunting down people that own deals that I can add value to. And as they're transitioning out of their business, I'm one of the first calls that they make. And so if you think about the groups that own real estate in, in the Kansas City area, I know just about every single one of them. And every month, I've got a meeting with one of these guys or gals and trying to figure out a way to stay in front of them. And that's really important to attracting that in. So it was a little bit of timing. It was a little bit of, you know, the brand that we already had. Uh, and then it was just execution. That was the biggest piece was let's execute on what we're saying we're going to do. And I know it felt very fast in regards to the growth that we we did hit. But at the same time, we brought, you know, 20 years collective of, of experience kind of in relationships that were kind of bundled up into one. And so I think that was a big part of it, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you're huge on relationships, right? And I think that we start to lose touch of that, especially yeah. when everybody's on Zoom and on LinkedIn and social media and all that stuff. And it we start to forget about the importance of actually making human contact with each other, especially, you know, us getting together um, right. over the past weekend at the conference. I mean, it just makes a huge difference in building relationships and having that face-to-face time. Yeah, just empathy, man. I mean, just, yeah. just, just, you know, you and I are going through a situation on something and I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to help the situation. And, and, um, you know, just going the extra mile with, 
with trying to treat people right. And um, radical transparency is something Ray Dalio talks a lot about. And I've gotten so much better at this. And, you know, it's always it's always a fun thing to kind of think through is like, you never want to deliver bad news, but at the same time, if you hide that bad news, it grows and it gets way, way worse. And so um, this is a little bit of marriage uh, advice out there as well is, is don't let those things grow, you know, get it out there and talk about it. Uh, even if it's not going to be a fun conversation, being able to work through crucial conversations is something that uh, has, has been able to create kind of deeper relationships and trust. And I think that's, that's a part that people need to focus on right now. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, transparency, feedback, we have a thing called the feedback loop at our gyms yep. where we make sure that our trainers, every time they get off the floor, they say, Hey, can I get some feedback? What do you think? Um, rather than just trying to hide it rather than, you know, the people that maybe were on the floor, maybe we're there, the owners are there and we're like, Oh, they should have done this or that. Yep. And we just keep it to ourselves. And then we, you know, we bundle it up and then it becomes an issue. If you're just radically transparent about everything, it, it just makes a relationship that much stronger. Yeah. And it's never, you know, the other side of radical transparency is never as worse as you, as you think it is, you know, and it's, and it's mostly your own uh, insecurities or uh, assumptions that are holding you back from doing that. And when you can come full circle with those and actually, you know, deal with it. That's when it becomes a, a real power and a real tool to use. So I think that's crucial. I love that, you know, getting real-time feedback after I just delivered this, this class, you know, give me some real-time feedback. What can I do better next time? You know, I think that's great. I think we've gotten soft as Americans and we have to be careful with that because uh, I talked to my, my, my grandparents, my mom, they are not soft, man. They're yeah. going to give it to you straight, you know, and right now everybody's kind of like, Hey, I don't want to upset you, but here's, and it's like, no, I'm trying to get better. You give me some feedback. I'll take it. I think that's a little bit of the athletic mindset too, though. We got coached, you know, all the time. And uh, you have to be able to take that coaching, especially if you want to become better. And, and I think we got to get a little bit harder as, as just a country in regards to that. So I think that's, that's important. And the most successful people really are, you know, it's just, Hey, it's not, I'm not trying to attack you as a person. It's just, Hey, we want to be better and we want to be the best. And here's how we get there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an art to delivering that feedback in in a meaningful and constructive way as well. Um, But you have to be able to take it. You have to be able to take feedback and and use that information to get better every single day. That's right, man. hundred percent. Yeah. And you're huge with, productivity and you know starting your day off the right way i i just wanted you to comment a few make a few comments on things like that you know how do you stay your most productive self um each and every day sometimes you know the motivation kind of comes and goes but how do you stay consistent stay productive and start your day the right way that's right that's that's a great question and uh, i'm a big a big believer of starting your morning off with the miracle morning or some sort of iteration Uh, from that. And as I became a business owner that was leading people, I realized, you know, after and have two small children under the age of three, you know, you realize that after eight o'clock, your your day's not yours. And and so you have to be able to own your your morning. And so I'm a big guy that gets up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning and and gets started. And I got kind of a couple objectives when I'm trying to get started. One, I don't want to get the the anxiety of the day started. I want to start with some for me, it's prayer, right? It's prayer. It's getting my body in the right, the right way with, with water, with my greens and all of that. So it's, it's focused on some health too, but breathing, you know, I think that's another thing that I've had to be 
become a lot more well-versed in is, is you got to breathe throughout the day, you know, and you need to do some breathing in the morning. And, and that's really important as well. So I have my kind of hour, hour and a half in the morning that I go through my prayer, my reading, my journaling for the day. I utilize Andy Frisella's power list, and that's how I delegate and manage um, my, my team members as well. And so it's just the five things that if you, you accomplish today, you can get it done by 10 a.m., but if you get these five things done, you got to win for the day. And so I, I write down my power list. I go through that and, and, and share that with my team for accountability as well. Uh, and then I get my workout in, man. I can't speak enough about getting your body moved. I picked up a Concept2 rower the other day. And I, I look, I used to make the excuse. I only got 15 minutes. What can I do in 15 minutes? Well, go sit your tail on a Concept2 and pull that thing for 15 minutes and watch that heart rate get up to 160. And now you, now you got that in. So, you know, I think that's all of it, right? It's mindset, health, and uh, prioritizing for the day. A couple of things that helped me with this. Um, and, and, you know, I'm big on compression. So doing more in less time is three laws of, of nature, kind of what I'll say. And it's the Parkinson's law, the Hawthorne effect, and the, the law of the vital few. Parkinson's law, hey, I got a task to do. I'm going to allot 45 minutes for it. Guess what? It's going to take me 45 minutes. I and it, and Maybe you won't even get started on it. Um, I just get started. If I want to work out, I just put my shoes on, right? Atomic habits, just things like that. I just make it easy for myself, right? And I, I say, look, this is only going to take three minutes. And so I get started. It might take 15, but I've got it done. So making sure you're shorting the time frame that you think things are going to allot, you know, you, that you have to allot to them. Uh, Hawthorne effect, you know, where focus and, and energy goes, things grow, you know? So what are you focused on? What are you thinking about? What are you reading? Who are you talking to? And so that's that's another piece of the accountability is I've got three or four people at any given time kind of tapping into me and like, hey, what are you doing today? You said you were going to do this yesterday. Did you get it done? And so I have accountability on that. So that's the Hawthorne effect. And then the law of the vital few. This is probably the most important thing for me or the Pareto's principle. You know, 20 percent of your activities will lead to 80 percent. You can actually get fractal with that and, and even go at, at a low, even a lower level, right? So like 4% is going to take, you know, 96% of what you're actually doing. And so uh, that's where the power list comes in. It says, okay, I got a thousand things to do today. That's fine. But what are the top five that are going to move the things that I'm trying to do uh, into the next level? And if it's already habits that you already do, like workout is never on my power list because that is something that's already ingrained in my body. Drinking 16 pounds of water is already in my, in my power list or, or on my habits. So it's not on my, my power list. And so one thing that I try to do too is get uncomfortable. Life begins outside your comfort zone. And so if there's something that's like, hey, I don't want to do this, you get it done first. It's called eat the frog, what Brian Tracy would say. Eat that frog every single morning, get it done and watch everything else spiral upward. But if you have that one thing that you know you need to do and you're putting it off, you're putting it off and it comes at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're not doing that thing. And all you did was talk about it and think about it all day long. And so those are some quick tips that I'll say uh, that have really helped me in regards to productivity and accountability and getting my day started off right there. Yeah, that's all gold, man. And you're right. Everybody, instead of jumping into the hardest thing they have to do today, the most important thing they have to do today, they put it off. They do the easy things yep. in the morning. They, they have lunch, they get tired, and then they're like, okay, we'll do it. Just do it tomorrow. And it never gets done. Right. You've got to do the hardest, most important things first while your mind, while your body's ready to that's start right. the day and, and attack the day. And even before that, um, you know, have your morning routine. 
it, to some people who haven't done it before, it seems a little counterintuitive because they're like, okay, now I've got to carve out another hour out of my day uh, that, that doesn't go towards whatever that thing is, going That's to right. work or what have you. But it actually makes you more productive while you are working. If you set yourself up for success by getting that workout in, meditating, praying, whatever it might be yep. that, that works for you, it makes you a more productive self throughout the day. Yeah, man. I mean, Richard Koch wrote the book, 80-20 Principles, you know, and, and all this. He said there's four ways to change your life. Do more of something, do less of something, start something and stop something. And so everything that you're thinking about doing in your life, run it through that quick mental model and say, what results are this, is this getting me? And that's a really easy way to say, hey, this isn't productive for me. I don't need to do this. And so, you know, that's that's been helpful. The focus funnel from Rory Vaden. What can I eliminate? What can I automate and what can I delegate? You know, and that's that's important. And then in the delegation phase of that, uh, there's three levels of delegation. You've got directive which says, hey, you go do this at this time, right? You tell somebody exactly what to do. You have objectives saying, hey, I just need you to get this done. You do it however you want. And then you have leadership said, hey, hey, I've got so too much on my plate. This, these are our objectives and you need to go take care of, of whatever you think is, is going to do that. And so I'm thinking about as I'm delegating, what level is, is each team member on and what do they need from me? Do they need leadership, directive, objective? What a lot of people get in, in trouble with is they might try to lead somebody who actually needs directive delegation and then that nothing happens. And then there's a, a space there where it's like, hey, what, what the heck, man? Like, what do, what do we do on this? And it's like, well, I didn't know what to do. And so you have to know where your team members are at on that before you can just delegate. You know, I mean, you have to understand there's three levels of that. And each person is on a different kind of continuum in regards to where they're at with that. And so my goal is to get to leadership with all my people. Right. And that's 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 what I'm trying to grow as is, is somebody that can lead people in the right way without having to be so directive at all times. So that that creates leverage as well. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. But it, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, you, you've got to kind of coach right. your coach your employees, coach your teammates up to to where they can get to that leadership point. Yep. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot before we jump into the Freedom Four. Not that you didn't just drop 40 golden nuggets for us now, but what's one last golden nugget before we move on? You know, I, I always like to listen to Ed Milad. He's a big he's a big guy that I like to to kind of dive into and. And everything that you do, right, is is based on um, who you are either trying to become or not trying to become. And, and you, you've got pain and pleasure on both of these spectrums, right? You know, most people just want to try to avoid pain, honestly, um, and that's the easiest thing for, for them. But I have a big goal of my life to say, what can I do to create positive and abundant energy at all times? And what I, my, the mental model and the question that I have is, you know, hell on earth would be meeting the man that I could have been. And so a lot of people, um, you know, say, look, what scares you? What are you fearful of? And it's mediocrity. And it's being not living up to my potential. As you know, big guy in my faith. And it's very important to me to live out what I what I what I do on a regular basis and as the best version of myself. And so everything that I'm trying to understand in, in life is how do I create this energy that is not negative and if there's something there that doesn't feel right having the tools in my toolbox to attack that and, and move it out right now so that's a big thing that i have that i have to tell all you know people that are high performers is like if you can get to a point where you feel something that's off and you say okay 
I'm going to attack this with my physiology, with my language, with what I'm focused on, with one of these tools that we've talked about today, you know, you can live as a, as the, as the best version of yourself, man. And that's, that's the most important thing. And that's what I try to do and, and kind of lead people to is like, um, you know, you're bringing negativity right now. And, and I don't say it just like that. Right. But it's like, I understand you're very, that you're very fearful. There's a lot of anxiety right now. Understand all of that. But what can we do with the triad, you know, physiology, focus and language that will allow us to get out of this mindset of fear and into some sort of abundant, um, you know, thoughtful, thoughtful place. And, and that's been important in my marriage and in my business, because, again, all of the assumptions that we have are typically untrue. And so, you know, you, you start making assumptions about a deal or somebody or something. And it's like, is that true? Or is that just kind of like this little this little devil on my shoulder saying, you know, tapping me like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you know, you need to check your back, you know, and all these things. And, and so I think that's the most important thing I want to leave people with is is um, it all begins inside, you know, and you, you must put your lifestyle first to get your business chasing you. And um, that is, you know, almost 10 years worth of reading and work that I've done just to kind of bring that to culmination. And it takes a, a lot of work to get to that point, right? Wayne Dyer talked about this kind of level of self, self-actualization. No matter what happens on the outside, I'm not letting this inside kind of get impacted by it. And that's that is so crucial just for mental health, for, for enjoyment, for love, and all the things that you want to attract into your life, man. That's perfect, brother. Appreciate you sharing that. All right, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Well, I think it is the morning routine. You know, I put a post up a couple of years ago about my morning routine and, you know, how I create time, right? You know, and, and like, really understanding how much, much sleep you need, you know, for, for yourself, or you just being lazy and not getting up, you know, and, and creating days out of all those hours that have, you know, kind of, you know, compounded together is, is the best way to do that. And, and, uh, you know, some people are like, Hey, I work out in the afternoon. I know for me, I can't do that. I got a business. I got kids. I'm tired at the end of the day. So I got to get that in, in the morning. Same thing with my reading, my prayer, my breathing and all of that. So just setting yourself up to start with a, with an energy of positivity in the morning will help elevate all the rest of the day. So that's, that's my best, uh, my best tip. And I, and if you say you're not a morning person, go to sleep, you know, earlier. That's all I can say to that. <laughs> yeah. You'll become a morning person <laughs> with all your success. What is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? Yeah. I mean, it's just that, you know, you think about getting started in any news industry or space, you know, and, and you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do a deal that's, you know, $50 million or whatever it is. Right. It's like, how could I ever do that? And then you meet somebody who's doing $50 million deals a week and you're like, Oh, wow. You know, like, or North Point here locally is like the largest industrial developer in the country. They're delivering a new building a day, one a day. Talk, tell me that that wasn't like, you know, that wasn't their, you know, they, they probably when they got started didn't say, hey, we're going to deliver a new product, a uh, new building. These are huge buildings a day, uh, one a day. And so it's just like, you know, thinking about that is, is making sure you're focused on your trajectory and not your positioning. And so, um, you know, and let me break that down. James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits, but you see this big goal that you're trying to accomplish. You see where you're at right now. You're like, I can never do that. But if you put a system in place 
that we talked about today and you think about your trajectory and then you're just patient. You got to be patient with results and impatient with your actions. And I would say that is, is a really important uh, piece to, to the whole puzzle here of just sustainability on the, on the long haul. Perfect. Perfect. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts for me, you know, a lot of people want to talk about financial freedom and then a lot of different ways you can get there. But for me, it actually starts uh, with your health. So make sure that your health is not a limiting uh, factor for you. And I, I don't mean just being a bodybuilder or looking like Seth, you know, but I don't, I definitely don't look like that, but I'll tell you my energy levels rival most people's and on a sustainable metric from 4 AM until about, you know, 7 PM. And I think that is really important as well. It's just making sure that you have this energy that you can sustain uh, a lot of different uh, aspects of your life and uh, have abundant energy because that is, is crucial. And when it comes to, to entrepreneurship, business ownership, and how you do that is different for each person. But uh, for me, that was, that was the biggest thing for me is making sure I felt really good. And then everything started to fall in line because I felt good. I was more motivated. I was able to take more action. Awesome. Yeah. Makes tons of sense. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? Man, I tell you what, this is a complete shift because like we spoke about just working for dollars, I was like, wait, there are things that you can purchase that will then make you more dollars and you can leverage uh, in the right way and be hedged against inflation. No freaking way. Like I just we're, we're selling some projects right now and I'm watching, you know, the stock market, just like everybody else is, you know, I posted about it on LinkedIn this morning and, it, you know, the psychology of the stock market. And uh, Corey just sent us an evaluation of one of the deals that we're selling. And um, I, I sent a quick message back and was like, what's the IRR on that? It, it, there's like, I mean, it's like 160%, man. I, I'm no, no joke. And so, if you take, you know, what I'll call risk adjusted decisions and you have a team to do things that other people won't do, then you can be rewarded outsized um, than, than what you're going to get access to. And that is the biggest, I think, you know, uh, brain kind of uh, blowing moment for me was um, there are ways to make money outside of the stock market, outside of other things. I, don't get me wrong. I got plenty of holdings in those things, but I can't control them. And so if you put a team around you that you can control these types of investments, that type of, um, of control and, and different type of return that's uncorrelated is what Ray Dalio talks a lot about with the, the all-weather portfolio, right? And, and creating alpha in, in type of these, these types of investments. It's been a game-changing thing for me. Um, and when you do it right, it can really be a, a really successful venture. And so that's, that's how it's changed my life in regards to that. It's just completely thinking differently about how to make your dollars go farther, how, how to make them work for you uh, and not work for those dollars through, through leverage in the right ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. When you start um, investing in, let's say a real estate syndication, your first one, I, I don't say that's the end all be all. I'm not the person that gets up here and says, oh, you have to invest in all these real estate syndications. And that's the only way to make money. You're never going to get wealthy if you don't. But what it does do, I do encourage people to invest in it if they haven't, because it opens your mind up to alternative that's investments right. in general. It opens your mind up to what else is out there. Then you start looking around and there's all these different opportunities for you to get involved in. And it's just a way for you to get started. Absolutely, man. 100% agree. 
All right, Logan, man, it's been great catching up with you as always, man. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, very active on LinkedIn. Search Logan Freeman, Mr. Kansas City. My big, my big head will pop up. But also, if you want to head over to our website, ftwinvestmentsllc.com. Lots of great content there for you as well. Seth, thank you so much. Thanks, Logan. All right, Mr. Kansas City, my good friend, Logan Freeman, ladies and gentlemen. What a guy. Man, I just love being around him, spending time with him. What a great leader and an inspiration. I'm, I'm sure you guys can see and feel and hear that um, from this episode. And he would be the last to tell you, but he's also super intelligent, both from a book smart perspective and especially from a social perspective. He's just, he's next level uh, with connecting with people. My firm, Law Capital Partners, if you've heard of it, we partner with Logan and FTW Investments on many of their deals. So if you liked what you heard and would like to get involved, join our Esquire Pass Investor Club to see some of those opportunities. All right, major key. And this is really homework for you guys. If you haven't already, put together a morning routine, write it down, see what you're going to do on paper. Start small if you have to. Maybe it's uh, something short. Let's say meditate for five minutes, read a book, do some push-ups or some jumping jacks, get the blood flowing. But most importantly, just get started and be consistent with that before you jump into your busy schedule. All right, you will see the results and it will change your life for the better. If you're ready to get started and you're ready to make a change, partner with us on one of our next passive real estate deals. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join Epic. All right, kids, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.